the Rocky Mountains. It's the Barbarian Prophet. Welcome back, Barbarian Nation. I've missed you. I know you guys have missed me, and I am responding to as many emails as humanly possible, and uh, keep your hate mail to yourself, man. I don't even read that stuff. So on the other end of things is that uh, we have uh, with us in studio today uh, a great friend of mine. His name is Stephen. But I, uh, he goes by a different name nowadays. What's your name nowadays? Uh, everybody knows me as Pimp. He's the Pimp. He's the Pimp. When he was a kid, he was known as Skidmark, and everybody was like, "Does that have anything to do with his trousers?" And I was like, "No, man. Is I don't even remember why I started calling you that." I almost, I almost hit Nomad Norm on my very first ride with you. Oh guys. yeah, that's right. And you left a big old skid mark that yep. scared both him and you. And maybe there was two sets of skid marks. So there's that. That's how I. That's how it started. That's what you said when we got back to dinner that night. Well, you were telling the story. Yeah. Well, you know, that's how things go with me. <laughs> so, you know, uh, one of the things uh, that I kind of wanted to introduce to everybody is I, you know, we talk about church stuff here all the time and uh, about Christianity and how people have this tendency that when they see people, they don't know whether whether they're a believer or not just by what they wear, et cetera. And I always kind of chuckle at that because people have this tendency to try to get me saved all the time. And, you know, cause I dress like a gangster 90% of the time. Uh, yeah, much to some Christians delight and very disappointing to other Christians. I mean, I've, I've had, I've sat actually, uh, Steve and I sat with a, um, with a group of people one time that said, well, I know you're for sure not a pastor. And I said, uh, yeah, I actually am a pastor, but, uh, you know, they have opinions. I've got tattoos. I've got, um, you know, whatever. So good with them. How can you be a Christian when you look like that? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but that's totally possible. I mean, we all have history. We have, et cetera. Now, um, I want to kind of roll over cause we, you know, we got about 50 minutes here. We got about an hour, so <clears throat> we should be able to cover a little bit of ground. So you're still an active club member. Yeah. Um, I'm in a club right now. I took, I took a little bit of a leave of absence to kind of get my head straight and figure out life itself. You know, things come at you, but I am back active as a club member. Yes. Okay. And, uh, it's an outlaw club. Yeah. It's, it's a 1% club international actually it's it's an international one percent club so explain that to me real quick what i mean you got to talk to me like i don't know these things steven so um an outlaw club or a one percent club is the top of the food chain of the motorcycle world um you have like associations like hog and um like the umf and then you Mm -hmm. got motorcycle federations like the heathens and then you have support clubs that support the bigger clubs that wear a patch i support the big club like the hell's angels and and us and mm-hmm. and other big clubs like that and at the top of the food chain is those outlaw clubs like ha hell's angels and the banditos and they are the ones that are like the governing body of the motorcycle world outside of everybody that doesn't wear patches or insignia to to form a group yeah, because you got to be in club life to be affected by club life. Correct. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people don't get that. They just assume because 50 of them walked in the door that, oh, we're all in great danger. Man, they ain't pay attention to you, right? Yeah, no, that's that's usually not the case. I mean, do you, mind, do you mind telling the club you belong to? Um, It's it's Grammy MMC. 
Grimium uh, MC. And what and what does that mean? Uh Grimium is it's a Germany club, it's a European club, and and the word actually means um panel or group or mm-hmm. sect is how it's translated. Um and uh it it started in 1972, and it's just that's it was a group of people, and that's where they got the word in Europe. And it's one of the oldest clubs and strongest clubs in Europe. It's actually, if you if you look at the demographic, it is probably the strongest club in the world right now, uh, chapter wise. Chapter wise, okay. And so you guys are like uh, in the United States, obviously. Yeah. And uh, you're also in, in Germany. That you're because that, that's their their stronghold. Yeah, your Europe is the stronghold, and it originated in Germany. I think there's six chapters in Germany right now. Right, and you, then and so how big does a chapter grow? Um, it it just depends. Their bylaws are different than ours here in the United States. Right. Um, and, uh, we're kind of, we're still growing here in the United States. So, um, chapter wise, we actually have only one chapter in the United States, right? It's just the U S chapter, right? The nomad chapter. And it, we're spread across, you know, the entire United States. We have guys in California, Oklahoma, all over the place. So, uh, what does it mean to be a nomad? So a nomad is somebody that doesn't necessarily claim a single territory. Okay. Um, as a nomad chapter, you, you guys, you see guys with patches and they're the bottom patch on the back of, of their cut and their cut is the vest they wear. Um, so the bottom patch is called a, a bottom rocker. And so, uh, that is usually a, a territory claiming patch. So you'll see a state patch in the United States a lot of the time, like Wyoming or Nevada, something like that. Right. So a nomad chapter or a nomad um, is somebody that doesn't claim that territory. They go everywhere. So we claim the United States and our chapter spread all over the place. So right. we have a nomad chapter because we're everywhere. We're not just in one state. Right. Okay. And so uh, now how you started in club life. How long ago? Uh, well, um, technically, I, I started in club life about 23 years ago as a prospect and a member. But if you want to get deeper into it, it's more like 27 years because my father started hanging out with you. And oh, don't don't drag and, me into your story, man. <laughs> he he started hanging out with with. Got with you and Maniac Mark, who was actually his sponsor, um, when I was 13 years old. Right. And so, yeah, so you kind of grew up around a club life. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of things that a lot of kids don't get to see. Right, right. So uh, the first club you were a member of, well, you prospected into and became a member of was? The Outdwellers Motorcycle Club. Outdwellers MC. Okay, and uh, how? And uh, you were right there at the tail end of that club, right? Yeah, yeah it you're, was. You're known as the last Outdweller. Yeah, the, and the only second generation. And the only second generation. And That's I also... True prospected the longest out of everybody too yeah well you kind of needed to you're kind of a bonehead you was a kid uh i can still call you that i can still call you that but you're uh on the other end uh so then when that club uh folded its colors Mm -hmm. and uh you stepped into other things as well i mean you you continued on in club life yeah um i stayed close with a lot of the brothers uh that were in the outdoors mc and i will say um, where I'm at now is the closest to what we had created back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like we're talking about outlaw clubs and stuff. And I will say 
that first club that we had, <laughs> we we called ourselves a mom and pop club. Yeah, um, well, we had to stay. We were trying to stay off the FBI map. Yeah, it well, didn't work out. The and, FBI had a whole different take on us. Well, we weren't a mom and pop club, <laughs> and we'll just we'll leave it at that. We we weren't. Yeah, and and on the other end of that, we weren't just playing biker either. No, we weren't weekend warriors. That's for sure. We lived the life. Yeah. So, so you know, so I guess my question is, is that um, you know there is plenty of people out there that ride motorcycles and. You know, they wear all the skins, all the leathers and all that, but they're they're not really clubbers, man. They're just you know, they're they're people that enjoy they're enthusiasts. Yeah. You know? Uh and you can be a biker without being a clubber, but being a clubber is being cut from a different cloth for sure. Without a doubt. So uh, you got exposed to that early in your life and you seen what it takes to to wear that cut. Yeah, to earn that. To earn that respect and and to earn the respect of the men around you. Absolutely. So when it came to being an outdweller, what did it mean to be? What was an outdweller? What does that mean? So outdweller, where that originated, um, and the name came from, uh, a group of men uh, got together and they they were those enthusiasts, but they Mm. felt like they were meant for something more. And uh, outdweller came from no matter what we did, for society, for our community, for whatever, no matter what good we did, it was never going to be recognized. We were always going to be remembered for the bad. So it was like, we're on the outside of society. We are those bad landers. We are the men, the outlaws of society. And to clarify that too, that doesn't mean we were criminals. So I, there's a no, big difference between big difference outlaw, being an outlaw and being in a criminal. So, um, I mean, I'm not going to say we there were people that didn't commit crimes. What? But I, um, I don't think I remember any of those that's, things. That's <laughs> that's not what the lifestyle was about, and right? it still isn't about being a criminal. It's about, um, you know, we don't fit in society. I'm, I'm, I like to fight. I've been a fighter since I was a kid. Um, you know, I have tattoos up both my arms on my back. I like to ride my motorcycle at a hundred miles an hour sometimes, you know, and I will ride year round here in Wyoming. It gets down to negative numbers and I'm one of the crazy people that'll throw on leathers and go for a ride when you, you know, when there's not ice on the ground. I remember I took one of my coldest rides ever with your wife on my birthday on Christmas Eve. Nice. Like when I turned 22 or 23. <laughs> I was doing time. No, you you told us to go because you did. You were like, nah, you guys can go. Yeah, you go got, do your thing. Yeah, you guys can go, but I'll see you when you get back. I think you were, I think actually you were cooking that night. You would cook for Christy. Don't tell, so. don't tell. <laughs> You know, I'm going to tell you something about my wife. My wife was it was definitely a, a a hardcore woman back in those days. And you know, one time we had the entire club sitting outside with their bikes running, and we were ready to go. And my wife says, "Christy goes, hey, you need to do them dishes." I said, "Hey, we're going on a run." She goes, "I don't care. You said you'd do the dishes." So I started doing the dishes real quick with everybody standing around outside, talking, laughing, joking, poking fun at me, really. And uh, I said to Christy, well, I bet you Sonny Barger doesn't have to do dishes. She said, if Sonny Barger was married to me, he'd be doing dishes. <laughs> you know what? And if any of those guys got asked by Christy at the point, too, they'd yeah. be in there helping you do the dishes. Yeah, that's right, man. They got lined out. Uh, uh, I, I spent a many a night eating dinner around that table, and I helped do dishes. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. That was part of the deal, right? Yes, sir. 
So uh, anyway, now let's uh, let's bounce on to. So then you started up in. Uh, okay, so you stayed in contact with the brothers, and then you moved um, on. So to- what happened was um, there were there were guys that wanted wanted more after the Outdoors folded. Yeah. Um, I, I got into some different things. Um, I started fighting professionally, but kept real close with some of the guys. Like I still had that outlaw spirit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, one of, one of the guys approached, uh, a big time, uh, 1% club here in the United States that mm-hmm. didn't have a presence in, in Wyoming or Utah where he, we were, um, and, made a deal and started a support club for the sons of silence. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then you were in that for a bit. Yeah, I was, I, I actually built the chapter here in Casper. We, well, I didn't start it. Um, I came a little bit after and I was a patch holder. Uh, we were called the silent sinners mm-hmm. and, uh, I was a patch holder for about a year. And after a year of being a support club member, five of the guys that I were, was in the club with went up and prospected for the big club. Right. here in Wyoming to take the territory. And uh, when that happened, um, we had a member who I had actually grown up with. That was a, that was a son of um, one of the outdwellers. He just wasn't old enough at the time to become an outdweller. Right. But he grew He was younger than I was, but he saw the same thing you that saw. I did, you yeah. know? So he was in the life too, and he became the president of my chapter. And at that point, I became the enforcer of the chapter. Nice. So, um, so you got rank in clubs. Yeah. Okay. So how, what's the top rank? Um, so you, the hierarchy you have a, well, it depends. So if we're talking about the big clubs, you have national officers, right? Um, but all the officers, no matter what part of the chapter here in the United States, are going to be the same. So you're going to have your president and -hmm. your vice president. And then underneath them, you have your secretary or your treasurer, or you have both depending on the clubs. So it's run like a business, really. Yeah, it is. Right until we get to the next person. And then you have, yeah, you have your enforcer. Oh, your or enforcer. Or security chief. Or sergeant at arms. Yes. Okay. And he's the one that takes care of the business, whether it's internal or external. Right. Um, and I don't, I'm not going to go into a yeah, whole that, lot that, with that. that. We'll that's, just, you don't need to. Yeah. So, on and the, then, well, and then there's one other after that. There's what? a, there's a road captain. Oh which, yeah. The road captain, which I, I just recently vacated that spot in the club that I am. And he's the guy that he's a secondary sergeant in arms or security mm-hmm. for your president. And he's the one that maps out and plans all the runs and the rides and stuff like that to make sure they're safe. And he makes sure everybody's bike is safe. Cause if somebody's got a messed up tire or messed up bike or something like that, like you're not going on the ride. And if you want to argue, I'm going to put a knife in your tire and then, you know, try and ride. Where'd you learn all that stuff? Uh, uh, This guy named rooster. Oh, now that guy's dead. (laughs) Oh no. He's just a gangster for another, another section of life. That's where he's at. So, uh, you know, on the other end of things is that when you, uh, so when you have these officers, are they elected or are they appointed? Um, they're elected. Um, and they're elected by the club. Uh, I guess there's some there's some special circumstances, especially when you start a new chapter. Yeah, when you're um, founding. Yeah, but um, elections are usually one to two years. Uh, you hold office positions, and everybody that has a, a full patch at the time has a voice in that, has a 
has a vote in who's oh, so, going to be their figurehead. So it's not a dictatorship. It's um, it's more along the line. But when, once you got somebody in charge, they're in charge. Yeah, yeah. So like, it it isn't a dictatorship, but sometimes it is because there are certain things that a president can overrule, um, mm-hmm. especially like, uh, you know, you're good at the club, and if that guy is elected and put into that position and then the club has the club obviously has faith in him so there are sometimes decisions that get vetoed and can only be vetoed by the president if it's for the good of the club and i don't know like the sergeant at arms takes care of whether it's good of the club or not right right now so so there you go you've got your that's different than most people think of motorcycle clubs they think that it's um you know very tyrannical basically and they they think that all these guys are in there under fear but that's that's not a truth no and and quite honestly what i figured out um because like i said i i grew up kind of watching things happen and stuff until i started prospecting it's it's a lot like a fraternity right honest to god well it, yeah yeah no so let's talk about it. so you have all those officers and you have patch holders what yeah. are patch holders responsibilities um patch holders are are responsible for the club and their officers and not only that but their prospects in the hangarounds like they are they are the face of the club they make the meat of the club they are the ones that everybody does see out i mean you'll see guys with an extra patch but in all honesty, officers are just those club members, those patch holders as well. Mm-hmm. They're just, uh, I mean, it's flash. It's 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 just a title. Right. But at the end of the day, they're just brothers. Right. And so uh, then you got the other, you've got two other classes of people. You got hangarounds. Yeah. Which so are, what, what's a hangaround? So a hangaround is a guy that is interested in, like, he's interested in clubbing. He's got maybe an itch. Like, he's seen... You know, he's, he's rides, he's been invited. He's got a buddy that is in the club prospecting or either, mm-hmm. or, or a patch holder mm-hmm. and he's interested. So a hang around is a guy that may wear a support patch. He's allowed to wear, I support this club. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a guy that is getting to kind of know what the life really is. Because like we said, it's, it's a different just putting that MC on support or not is a different life than just being a weekend rider and, and, and putting around on your bike. Right. Okay. And then, then you start into the next phase, which is it's a prospect. Okay. And what does a prospect look like? Um, so a prospects, a guy that has made a commitment and has actually paid into the club. And I say that cause we have dues and stuff like that. You don't just get your stuff for free cause right. everything, everything costs. So it's, it's the minimum commitment. You've paid for your patches. You're going to mm. pay monthly dues. And a prospect is a guy. He's like a pledge in a fraternity. He, right. he takes, I'm, I'm going to say it this way. He takes orders from patch holders. Right. And when I say orders, anything that we tell a prospect to do, is is something that we as a patch holder have already done ourselves and we would still do if we were asked or told or to prove that hey i've done this and and if you're my brother and you see me do it then why wouldn't you do it Mm -hmm. okay so uh then when how long does prospecting last in most clubs um it's minimum minimum of a year but you you just don't ask your time limit ever because yeah. how much time I got? Because that adds to it, doesn't oh, it? Yeah, how much time I got left? Um, 
how much, however long it takes you to get to where you need to be. Right. Now, your club is being currently brought in. Yes. And so you guys are, what? what is that called? A perspective club or what is that called? We're a probationary. A probationary. There you so, go. So, and we have, and, and when we visit um, other chapters around the world, other parties, we're prospects for the the big guys, the guys that have full patch. There's actually right now, my national president is in Mexico at a world party. Right. And he is a prospect for the world of our club right now. Yeah. So that means whatever they ask, then he provides. Yep. Fetching fetching beers or whatever it is. Yeah. And a lot of the time, what people think is, you know, for for lesser term, like those guys are our bitch, but Mm. that's not how that works. You're never. Yeah, you don't disrespect your brothers. No, because why would I want to do that to somebody that I want to stand beside me and call brother and involve and call my family? Right. So uh, then when you guys uh, full patch on, does things change? I mean, for starters, does your patch change? Yes. Um, For us, it does. A a lot of different clubs. So most outlaw clubs are three-piece patch. Okay. Um, And three-piece. Explain three-piece. Okay. Because that's three pieces on your back. Well, or. Because you guys got a lot of patches, man. You got patches hanging on your side, on your heads, on your bottom of your shoes you get patches everywhere (laughs) so most u.s uh outlaw clubs and i say u.s because it is very different over in europe okay Um, and we'll cover that in a sec cover this part and then let's jump on the european thing okay so most three-piece patches in the united states are the three-piece patch on the back you have a top rocker which is your insignia right and then your name yep and then you have your centerpiece, which is the main bread, your, your, what you're recognized as a club as, that mm-hmm. patch. And then the bottom rocker, which is your, your state, your territory. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the majority. Now, other, there's, and then there's another three piece, which is just a center patch on your back. Mm-hmm. And you have a bottom rocker for territory. Mm-hmm. And the third, the third patch is considered the diamond, and sometimes that's going on the back end, but most of the time it's on the front. When you see that one percent diamond, it's like okay, you don't you don't screw with that guy. You, right? That's that's somebody that that's an earned patch. Yeah, that's and and it is in a diamond shape yeah. for a reason, and yeah. and it, it says one percent for a reason. Yeah, you know, and and just so our listeners are aware is that that 1% comes out of a situation that happened back in the sixties. And, uh, there was a big old party down in Hollister and everything got out. Rolling Stone. It was a Rolling Stone concert. And they, the AMA said, uh, uh, that's the American motorcycle association made a comment to some clubbers, uh, two clubs. In fact, one was the Hells Angels and the other one happened to be the Galloping Goose and told them, that you know, ninety nine percent of bikers or ninety nine percent of people on motorcycles are good people, and then there's you one percent. And instead of it being insulting, they went out and got it tattooed on themselves, yeah. cut a diamond patch and put it on there because they were rough cut. Yep, and they were like, yeah, and they embraced it, and, and they did, and yeah. it and it and it changed everything. It changed how all clubs became what they became. Yeah. And uh, not that they're the founders of anything, because there was plenty of outlaw clubs going at that time. And it, to be an outlaw back then meant that you were not part of the AMA. 
Right. You are not a sanctioned club by the American Motorcycle Association or the European Motorcycle Association. The governing but, body. Yeah, yeah, they were the ones who wanted to say, hey, you can do this and can't do that. And uh, these guys said, yeah, that's not happening, man. We're going to do what we do. And we're going to do what we want and yep. try and tell us otherwise. That's still kind of the... It's still kind of the society and, it is. and the lifestyle. It is. I mean, uh, and it, it has been forever. And, you know, uh, the golden age uh, through the 70s and 80s and the 90s uh, of that, it, it it's just shifted a little bit. Yeah. But, it, but it's still the same thing. Yeah. You know, and when we talk about that golden age, I mean, that was just uh, where the media was really in the middle of it. And there was magazines built around it and movies built around it and on and on and on. And then, of course, what do we have? The Sons of Anarchy pop up and then everybody's like, oh, my God, they must have yards full of dead bodies hidden somewhere. And everybody makes money on illegal activity and the club pays the people. And that is the part that makes me laugh. The club pays you? Wait. Yeah. Wouldn't it, that's dark, man. I want in on that cut. There's no real jobs in that show at all. <laughs> like, Nobody has a job. What no. is that all about? But the bikes are always full, and they always look <laughs> badass, and they have the newest bars and yeah. and everything like yeah. that. Like, yeah. Well, you, you can know. do that when you're in Hollywood, and it's all pretend. Right, and and if I do ha- if I do even a quarter of what they do, I'm not getting out in the next episode like they do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we weren't just going in to do a little six-month stay, right? Not at all. So uh, so then now let's talk about, okay, so we've kind of covered the, the United States end, and you, you've got more understanding of the European thing than I definitely do. And, you know, the outdwellers were very close at one point of cutting into England. Ah, yeah, I know you might not know that, but I I, I had a guy by the name of the ferryman who was a guy that worked in the Black Sea uh, transporting uh, workers out to um, uh, offshore drilling rigs. And he was wanting to fire up a whole chapter over there. And that's what had me in all kinds of trouble with uh, <laughs> people. Okay? Yeah, yeah. You, and if people, if Jesus would have got a hold of me, and <laughs> it's a true story, that thing would have went all crazy. But it, but that's a different deal. Don't, I yeah. see your brain ticking. Let's not even talk about it. So on the other end of things is that when you go to Europe, uh-huh. patches are worn different, received different. There's yeah. different types of clubs. So fill me in on that. So like in Europe, especially like in Germany, um, a lot of stuff is outlawed. And I mean that by like government. The sanctions right. and everything are, are way harder than here. Um, like... Uh, there's no club insignia that can be worn in public at all. Mm-hmm. And um, that that includes, like, say, little grandma down the street wants to do a knitting club and they want to throw a little thing on some jackets or a sweater or something. Mm-hmm. They can't even they, – they have locked that down because of things that happened in the 90s and, and stuff like that. that Sorry. That – they can't even wear that insignia out in public. They can wear a jacket with the name, but no patch, like uh, a whole insignia can be worn at all. A cut can't be worn. It'll be taken in. They'll be thrown in prison. And like, I don't want to go to Germany prison. <laughs> no, nobody wants to go to Germany prison. Yeah. I don't speak the language of the food. Is. Not at all. But the food is good. In German food, it's good. Okay, so then the next thing is, so do they wear small insignias anywhere on their clothing uh, well, or anything? It, it's A lot of the stuff is just embroidered, like Gremium, uh, mm-hmm. our club. A lot of the guys just have jackets. They're not 
They're not cuts. They're not leather vests because mm-hmm. that's part of that is part of the group. That is part of hey, that's their insignia. So they'll they just get like the baseball type jackets and right. it will just say it's not in a rocker style it's not curved it just says grimium on the back of it okay. and and um some of them get a a one percent put on the front no diamond um mm-hmm. just the the one in the percent sign right um and and i mean it's just to show yeah I'm, uh, this is who i am and and this is who we are and then when they go out of and that's just in germany over in europe too that's oh, yeah? just in germany yeah because so, the, the guys i've seen uh from like let's say norway sweden denmark uh so the norwegian countries as well as like belgium etc they they wear full-on cuts yeah and so when they cross uh the, the country line when they go into another country you know they stop and throw their stuff on or take off their outer outer jacket and then ride with their brothers into that next country okay. and it's it's just kind of like here following the helmet law where you got to stop at the state line and throw your helmet on and, right. and and things like that because um you know especially when you wear that patch cops and and law enforcement you're you're a target you're just making yourself a target which you know notoriety and things like that i mean it's it is fun but it comes with some hassle oh yeah uh, along with it well that you know that that's a part of club life is that uh we used to always joke that you know the minute we pull over we reach in our back pocket and pull out that fbi agent (laughs) fling him out there on the ground so he's present with us or else we don't feel like we're you know we're alone you know (laughs) And uh, so, you know, when it comes down to it, things like uh, like wars, like when clubs clash. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not asking you to give anything up, but when when clubs clash, I mean, it, it can be violent in several different ways. Oh, big time. Um, we're talking, you know, shootings and and, you know, not just of, of the bikers, but families, kidnappings. Oh, yeah. There's there's craziness. And. I will say that it has gotten less over the last 10, 12 years. Yeah. Um, because people have had it evolve. One of the biggest things is everybody's got everybody's got television on their phone now. Right. Every, I mean, you can't you can't go anywhere in the world where somebody can't take a picture or a video of you. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm also saying like, you know, you got to pay attention. Yeah. And and just being a man as as an alpha and that's that's who most one percenters are. They are they are alpha males, mm-hmm. and and just being an alpha, you know, you you protect your family, you protect your your old lady, you protect your respect yourself. I mean, there's there's only a certain amount of disrespect you take before somebody gets their teeth knocked in. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that just as a clubber. I'm saying that as just a man right. who's a man. So, you know, you use a phrase there that a lot of people aren't familiar with when the, uh, the term old lady. Yeah. Old, O-L. Yes. Not old, O-L-D. It's yeah. old lady. Right. Now, what is an old lady? So an old lady is actually, she's like your wife or somebody that you have claimed, somebody that you actually bring around the club, real club functions, go on real rides with you. She is an actual part of your life. She is just not a floozy or a, a patch whore or, you know, somebody jumping from, from patch to patch that the brothers pass around. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we used to call those split tails. Man. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that, uh, that whole thing, uh, there, um, 
Now, do they wear any type of insignia? Do they wear something to identify them as belonging? Yes. Um, and it's different for each club. Uh, now, brothers that know me are laughing right now. They're like, like he doesn't know any of these things. Right. Remember, I'm doing an interview. I'm not giving you information. Yeah, and those brothers are like, why is he talking to Steven? <laughs> yeah, no, no. They know why I'm talking to Steven. You're somebody, man. So, so um, it's, it differs. Um, like us, we call them our bad ladies. Mm-hmm. So bad lady is reserved. They, they can wear a shirt. Um, some of them get sweats, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Full patch. There's, there's more things. Jewelry, uh, buckles, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. bad lady is actual lady stuff like that. Right. And we have something called bad girl. And right. the bad girl wear is just for supporters. Okay. But like bad ladies are our women, our old lady. Mm-hmm. And then other clubs, like when I was in, when I was in the silent centers, we had property of right property of buckles. And that, that was common back and, in those days. And that's still a lot of clubs have patches that where their women wear a, they can't wear a leather cut, but they'll wear a jean cut, and it can't be the color of the club. It's like a, a generic like blue jean cut, but mm-hmm. it'll have property of, and then it's usually the name of the outlaw. And that is strictly, when it's a patch, that is strictly for an outlaw club. Support clubs do not have patches for their old ladies. Right, and that's it's a form of protection. Yeah. Well, and also it signifies to your brothers too, like she's off limits. Yeah, she's or, mine. Or that's, alone. that's how it's supposed to be. Anyways. Yeah, I get so. it. And so on the other end of that, you still have idiots out there. You're never going to get rid of idiots. Yeah. So then the other part of that is, is so uh, now, and they're, they need that protection. Yeah. In that world, for sure. Now, let's bounce on to... So when uh, when you have clubs that are that are expanding into this global thing, I mean, it's one thing when you're a local little local club, right? And even if you cross the state borders, it starts to become a big issue. Yeah. And then when you start to cross <laughs> country borders, then yeah. we get a whole different thing. Then you get Interpol. Yeah. Well, and not only Interpol, but like I. I have guys that I've known since I was 13 that are no longer my friends at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll step, they'll step hardcore away from you. Yeah. I get the same thing when I became a Christian. Yeah. You know, you got all these people that they're they're your brothers right up until you're not doing what they want you to do. Yeah. <clears throat> no, they, oh, that's right. They're they not your brothers. When they can't get something, when you when you stop providing the need that they have for you. Yeah. Well, see, that's that's the funny thing is, uh, Stephen, it's one thing I teach about the word love is that love is uh, being able to give everything away. You know, yeah. it's it's about a complete surrender of yourself. And uh, unfortunately, most people don't understand the opposite. They think the opposite of love is, um, you know, like hate. like hate. And it's not. No. The opposite is use. Mm. And what we discover in those moments is that those guys right there do nothing but use you. Yeah. And they, they come and go in the process, man. And they, you know, you've got to figure out whether these people truly love me or whether they're just utilizing me to get what they need to get. So it's funny you say that and bring up that saying because I started, I I came to the Sinners in 2010. Mm-hmm. So we, we folded the Outdwellers in 2004. Correct. And then I hung out, rode motorcycles, um, and I 
joined the silent centers in 2010. And before I joined, um, I actually, I the day before I put patches on, I had a long conversation with you. That is true. And you told me that that test stuck with me from that very day when you talked about love Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, just to watch out because things aren't, I mean, things aren't the same as what we had when we were doing what we were doing. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah, we, that's, we were a different club. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you, man, no matter what anybody ever says, I, and I know they don't understand why so many of us, we can argue and fight amongst each other. And man, you guys, all of you, uh, some don't wear any patches. All, all, everybody went into doing different things, but there's still that little level. Yeah. You know, there's still that little level of those loyalty things that hang in there. I mean, I, I've never, ever had, uh, you know, when we lost our brother, Joe, and yeah. uh last year and uh you know that that all went crazy but on the on the key thing on there is the very first thing i did was call his family and say no we'll we'll do that funeral no you don't pay the funeral home any of these things and all of this is free and you bring him to my church and we'll yeah. handle his his services and and re, i do that with any of them yeah you know and you they're did. You did Mr. T's. Oh yeah, yeah. I went and did him. That 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 was tough. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, Big T, man. He or uh, Mr. T. Um, now I'd been friends with him since we were in junior high. You yeah. Know? And uh, when he died, uh, that was that was kind of crazy. That was a crazy funeral to where they were going to have a, a pastor uh, get up and speak, and I told her, "You just need to have a seat and shut up." Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> which I did not make a lot of friends that day, just so we're all aware. No, but and uh, I didn't either. Yeah, I, I, I'm the one that uh, I planned all that. Yeah, I, I took control of that, and there was the big club that was not happy with me about decisions I made. Yeah, it's too bad for them. Yeah. So, well, you know, but the key thing is we did right by our brother. Yeah. That man got me in the very first bar fight I was ever in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad it wasn't me. <laughs> so on the other end of things is that when it comes to that loyalty thing, when it comes to that, most people don't understand what it means to have that type of loyalty. It isn't just about being uh there for your brother it's about standing up for him it's about you don't let people talk trash on him you don't any of that stuff man. right your, your people are your people and and that loyalty like everything in society i think has kind of watered down what it is to be a man in the last 10 years i'd agree with that and that's one thing I definitely promote in my church is a man being a man and a woman being a woman and uh, that they're, one isn't stronger than the other, that they both have strengths. Yeah, and And, and that's purpose. something in, in, the, in the biker world, that is a reality. It is, because if your woman isn't on board with you, you ain't going to do this. Like, it's going to be a hassle and you are not going to be able to be there for your brothers and your brothers are going to cut you loose. Like, you're not going to succeed if you're with a woman that, causes you trouble because they don't pay that check you pay that check if your woman's showing her ass all the time that's on you you're gonna you're gonna pay that check yeah so you know and that's the other thing yeah you're using terms that they didn't get so you know check your mud that's what they that's what he's saying is that there when he's saying that you're gonna pay the check that means that when she's doing something silly she doesn't get the black eye you do yeah you know, so, she's, she's not, it's a man's club and it's a man's world with this. And, you know, you have to, you have to know who you can bring to the table and who you can't because you're responsible for those people you bring to the table, not themselves. 
Absolutely. And that includes your prospects, et yeah. cetera. And so, you know, uh, so moving on with a few of these other things with, uh, <coughs> sorry about that. Um, I'm moving on with a few of these other things. When uh, clubs are developed and, and they're generally developed around a mindset of something, it isn't just about the bikes. It has to be other things, a, a common goal, a common thread. Yeah. And so um, what is the common thread you see uh, with the clubs? I'm not just asking about just your club. I'm The clubs you've been a part of and the clubs that that you see that you guys deal with all the time, what's a common thread in most of them for what, what they're standing for? Are they all about the bikes or the, the manhood or the tribal mentality or what's the deal? I think a lot of that tribal mentality is 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 a part of it. Like I said, I feel like in the last 10 years, society has watered down what it is to be a man. And I think those like myself, we, we say 1%. And, and I'll say something right now. I've never officially worn a 1% diamond. I've, I've not been an actual outlaw as of this day right now by outlaw standards and clubs. Right. Because I'm a prospect for an outlaw club, I'll get there. I've been in support clubs. But me personally, who I am and how I grew up, I'm a one percenter to my core. Mm-hmm. And those men aren't seen as what well, we're the outdwellers now. Mm-hmm. I think that one percent men, and I'm not talking just about clubbers aren't seen as the normal in society anymore. We don't conform. We don't just shrug it off. We don't just do what we have to do to get by. We're the guys that want to succeed, want to raise our family, want to raise strong men, want to treat our women correctly with respect, and want to also have that woman love love them like they want to be loved. It's not, you know... I have to be six foot and six figure man and, and own my house, no debt, all that stuff. That's you don't want to be the pimp. Yeah. Well, I'm just kidding. I mean, you know, <laughs> but I think that that's one of the things that draws us to each other in clubs is we get like, it's just like-minded. It's strong men who want to be around strong people because when you when you're around those type of people and it's a positive environment, you breed that success right. for each other. And it's and like I said, it's not a criminal act. It's it's a it's a thing about camaraderie and brotherhood and somebody that you can actually count on and and tell them what you really think without being afraid of actually telling them what you think. Right. So let me ask you this thing, man. Um when it comes down to society today uh and and you're saying and i agree with everything that you're saying there especially when it comes to club life but one thing that i would um i guess question you on is uh what is there a retirement out of this is there is this a lifelong journey i mean it is, you know, how does that end up working? Um, for us, yes. Um, some clubs don't allow that. Some clubs, you retire and you're still a club member. Yeah. Um, but there, there's just a difference in clubs. And I also think that's an evolution of, of the times now, too. Um, it used to be kind of like gang mentality. I will say that. Um, where you joined an outlaw club and you signed your bike title over and yeah and 
you weren't you yourself weren't just a person, but you were also property of the club. Like technically, as yeah. a man, you're you're a soldier. You're a front runner. You're gonna do what you need to do for the club because it was good to the club. Whether you were going to prison or you were gonna probably die or whatnot, you were gonna do that. The evolution, especially now with with everything that has transpired in in the 21st century Mm -hmm. um it's gotten it's gotten a lot leaner i should say like as i have never had to sign over my bike title i'll say that since since i've been involved in clubs yeah you never Um, had to do that in the od no or or any of of the others that i've been a part of and not current um and i've i've never been asked to actually, I've never been asked to do anything illegal, actually, in the name mm-hmm. of the club. All right. Um, and so I would say, like, especially with us getting out of the club now, um, we've had members that have gotten out and some of them even haven't done it the right way. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, they're, they're put out bad, which means that if they try to club with somebody else or they try to do something else, they, you know, you fill out a background check and application type yeah. thing. When yeah, you you're applying for a job. And, and you know, you put down you're with us and there's there's any kind of contact and, oh, no, he was out bad and this is why. And it's mm-hmm. not a bunch of BS that we try to try to lay down. But, I mean, if you're going to make this commitment and you're going to go through this stuff, then if you want out, then be a man when you want to get out, even if it's a BS reason that people think is BS. I mm-hmm. mean, they're... You're, you're still a man, and if you can stand up in front of me, in front of a group of your, your brothers who you've called brother and you've earned that patch with, then, then why do I have any right to look down on your reasoning for wanting to get out? Right. So uh, if they do get out and they want to come back, what does that look like? Uh, it depends, I guess. It depends on the reason they got out. It depends on how they got out, if they were out in a good status, um, and and – you know, how many times has this happened on top of it? You know, like, have you, is this a thing that you do every couple of years where you quit and you turn your stuff in? Um, you know, like, there's there's a difference of, of, of quitting and taking a break. Um, and I say taking a break like a leave of absence, LOA. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I mean, sometimes that just needs to happen, especially when you have other things going on in your life. Because if you can't be a solid brother to the club, then what are you doing here? Yeah, if you're tied up in the middle of a divorce or something like yeah. that, <clears throat> consuming your time, man, or you all of a sudden got to be dad for a couple of a while. Yeah, and, <clears throat> and or or hard times hit your family, and you know we do have monthly dues like a fraternity, like the Eagles Club or the yeah, Elks or right. whatever, you know. And and there's there's rules and stipulations. You get so far behind, we collect your stuff, and you get to that point where you you can't, and you're having hardships, and you're stressing about everything else because you're trying to make ends meet. Hey, I'm an LOA, and that pauses everything that you have because you know what? They're still your brothers, mm-hmm. but okay, we get that you got more on your, on your plate and maybe you're not, you're not good for the club right at the moment. And if you're not good for the club, then you might F up and, Mm. and something might seriously happen. Right. So let me ask you this. I'm going to go way off the reservation. Are we ready for that? Yeah. So, um, what about a person that, uh, being in that lifestyle and is a Christian? Okay. Okay. And I know you understand a Christian. Yeah. Into things. And so, um, 
how does that how does that play? And do you, I mean, do you guys got chaplains in your crew? Do you got Christians in your crew? Yeah, I'm a Christian actually. Okay, and, well, there's that. And actually, this is awesome because I actually got I, I was at Beartooth this year, mm-hmm. and um, there's there's a there's a chapter up in Montana um, of of a of a, a club that's called Servants of Christ. Okay, and like ninety percent of these guys are X one percenters. Okay, and I mean we're talking like pretty hard, hardcore boys. Okay, got it. but they've and, come to Christ. Yeah, and so we I I got close with a couple of them, and um I get I actually one of my buddies his name is JT and he sends me a daily prayer every day and we and we talk and stuff, and they they do minister to a lot of the bikers, a lot of the one percenters, and understand actually where a lot of that stuff comes from and they can talk to those guys mm-hmm. on that end. And there was one year that I was at Sturges actually. And I got asked by, I don't know if it was a CMA or I can't remember. It was one of the Christian motorcycle clubs down mm-hmm. there. And, and he asked, one of the guys asked me if I was a Christian, cause I was down there and, and just talking, you know, had my, had my cut on, mm-hmm. you know, walking through and, and we were just talking and, and he asked me if I was a Christian. And I said, yeah, you know, like we started talking. I have, I'm not a great Christian, but I, I would. <laughs> what does a great Christian uh, yeah. look like? Go yeah. on. And so uh, we were talking, and he actually said, how, asked the same question. You know, how do you how do you deal with that type of stuff? Right. And I my my answer is, you know, I I try to be the best person I could be, and even though like I might make questionable decisions or be irresponsible mm-hmm. at times and things like that, I know where my faith lies. Right. So. I know that I would never renounce Christ. I know that if I was, you know, faced with that, it it doesn't matter. Like, shoot me, because I've been in that position. You better Mm -hmm. pull that trigger. I'm not going to turn, whether I'm a a good or a bad guy, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to turn what I actually have faith in because of something in the world. And I also think that's a big 1% thing too because i have moral morals values things that were instilled in me and that faith doesn't necessarily um like collide or contradict what i am as a one percenter i think that kind of reinforces it because i am who i am and i'll be damned if somebody's gonna try and tell me i gotta be somebody else right now so what about pagans in the cruise um i there are. I I mm-hmm. kind of studied a lot of stuff. I know a lot of guys that do Asachu and, and things like that. And we talk. We have conversations. I've actually never come across any any outlaw that has, like, been mad I'm a Christian. I've had outlaws that didn't want to talk to me. About being a Christian. Because it makes, like... It makes them nervous. Yeah, it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. And so, okay, I'm all right, I understand that. Like, because on the other end of that, I'm not going to get shot just because I said one word to you or something like mm-hmm. that. You know, like, I understand going out and preaching and stuff like that. But, you know, when I'm wearing a different patch, I don't also want to start a war over something crazy and get some of my brothers killed. Right. Just because I made somebody uncomfortable and they didn't understand what I was saying. So, you know, on your on your huge collections in some clubs, you have guys that wear insignias that indicate their faith. Yeah. You know, you, you'll have some that uh, indicate that they're a pagan, some that end up indicate that they're Wiccan. Yeah. Uh, some that indicate that they're Christians. Does your club have anything like that at this point? I know 
uh, full patch in Germany. I know there's some of that stuff. I can't tell yeah. you exactly. Okay. Because, um, you know, we're well, I'm still... just wondering if they yeah. if they affiliate that even within their cells. So they're like, all right, this guy's one of, you know, a guy I can have a different conversation yeah. with. Yeah, we, I, <laughs> I know that those are available for mm-hmm. for guys to to put on and wear and earn. Yeah. So when you when you uh select uh patches, they're they're like that is kind of controlled though, right? Yes. So I mean that because you said a full patch member can. Right. But you in your current position cannot. No, I can't have I have the like bare minimum straightforward this what is. is told we have to wear. Right. Where like once I become a full member and I have that diamond, mm-hmm. um, there's authorized patches to wear. There mm-hmm. are, and that's by bylaws. But on, I will say on the other end of that, um, as a one percenter, you you do what you want to do. Right. You you ask for forgiveness, not permission. Right. And so that's a lot of the ways that those patches have actually come up too. I mean, you wear your color, you don't wear anything like crazy, you know, we're, we're black and white, so I'm not going to wear a bright yellow patch or a purple patch or right. a red patch, but a lot of the guys, and, and that's, that's where a lot of that stuff has come from in all 1% clubs is one brother does it and it might be said something or, or whatever. And, and, you know, kind of like, I mean, I'm that guy too. I don't, I don't care. You, you can, you can tell me to take it off or you, you know, most of the time it's like, let your me knife see and it. let's get it. Yeah. And most of the time it's like, let me see your cut. And it's like, come and try and take it. Like, yeah. no, I don't care if you're my president or not. Like there's, there's a certain amount of like, unless you're jerking my stuff, like, mm-hmm. nah, nah, this ain't coming off. This ain't coming off my back. We can talk about this patch and you can maybe make, uh, we can come to an understanding, but I'm not just going to give you something that I I believe in because obviously I believe in more than just this single patch. Right. So, and then uh, when it comes down to, um, you know, where do you guys uh, end up standing on things like going to Christian events as a club? Let's uh, say like a CMA, the Christian Motorcycle Association, putting on a run. Do you do you participate in those things? Yeah, we go on. We go on all the runs in the community, or we we try to. We try to stay away from people that you know there might be something going on with other clubs that affiliations might not be great. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we we support anybody that wants to ride, and I mean, like any guys that are out on the road and stuff like that, they have questions, they see us riding or something. Um, a lot of guys say that there's a lot of us that look unapproachable and okay, I get that. They say that about me all the time, (laughs) but you know, give, give some of us a chance too at the same time. Cause if you're riding, it might not be for you, but you might meet somebody that you're like, that dude's really cool. And I might, even if I don't want a club, I might want to hang out with that dude because I don't wear my patches 24 hours a day either. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause you don't have to. No, I'm a father. I'm, I'm a son. I'm, I'm, I'm a friend and I'm a, I'm a blue collar working man in America on top of it. So I don't, I mean, I can be an asshole if I need to be, but <laughs> but it's not it's not something that I'm called to 24 hours a day. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate that. You know, Stephen, I really appreciate you stopping by the studio today, and I uh, I've been wanting to kind of visit with you because I'd like to tear down some of them false. Uh, 
preconceptions people have. And so I appreciate you coming into the studio today. If you had one piece of advice to pass on to a young guy that's going, man, I want to ride choppers and I think flying Apache is cool and on and on and on, what would you say to him? I would say hang out. Like, don't be afraid to approach somebody and keep your mouth shut and your eyes open. Don't don't overspeak. Don't tell stories. Don't try and boast about yourself. Just be yourself. And uh, uh, one of the biggest things is if you do get to that prospecting period, don't ever just offer to do something. Wait to be told to do something. Yeah, it's probably pretty smart keep, advice there. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> okay, so then uh, what about uh, with, with uh, Christians, especially with uh, your club, and they're out riding motorcycles, etc., and they come across a pack of your guys. Uh, what's some advice for uh, being able to properly approach you, not not to preach the gospel, but just saying, hey, come up and say hi like don't don't approach like like a cop or somebody that's gonna shoot you know like but come up a a lot of the time like with us if i see you out on a bike and i notice your bike i'm gonna just walk up and like look at your bike and say hi i'm gonna say hey and hey uh, and you know what the poor citizen thinks (laughs) i'm I'm gonna gonna lose my bike here in just a minute these guys are gonna take it (laughs) but Yeah, I wouldn't. I would say don't don't hesitate to come up and say hi because you're gonna. You're we obviously have those members that are probably not gonna talk to you like mm-hmm. you're their best friend, but you have those members that are gonna be like, I'm sorry about my brother. What? How? How's it going? Like, because yeah. you got those rough cut guys that are just oh, yeah. like, I don't have time. You know, for I've this. never had any of that with your guys. You know, when yeah. your people come across me, well, first of all, they are like, yeah, I know that dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you, or hey, hey, pimp, can you introduce me to Bert? <laughs> I, you know, or, or you and Mark grew up with Bert. Yeah. 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 That's the way it works. Man. Hey, yeah. Yeah. So that's okay, man. Uh, so thanks. Yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate you being here today. This was fun, man. So we'll we'll do something again here after you guys get all patched over, and we'll we'll find out a little bit more about your life and how things are going. So thanks for stopping into the Barbarian Prophet. Appreciate it. For questions or comments, please email us at info at thebarbarianprophet.com. The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness in the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that. Yeah, Barbarian Nation, I just want to thank you once again for stopping in, and our shows will continue to flow. Uh, I was fortunate enough to pull such a wonderful guy today, and I hope you all learned a little bit something about those guys you wonder that fly by you on the wrong side of the road. And uh, for our brothers that are uh, Christians but still live a kind of a crazy life, but it's a good life, and uh, we love them. So just to all you brothers out there that are tuning in today, God bless you. Just remember this, Jesus loves you and I love you. And there's not a dang thing you can do to stop us.